You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Maybe Chunk is dead. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. Cinematic news. Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we will watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. That's mum's favourite piece. (laughs) (laughs) And Glenn Greening. See, you guys, you never listened to me. I said there was going to be trouble, but you didn't listen to me. You guys are crazy. You know, you guys are self-destructive. There's a funny farm somewhere and it's got your names written all over it. But I'm getting out of here. I'm... I smell ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chunk. (laughs) Ah, funny. (sighs) (laughs) How are you, G? Nice. I'm going well. All right, this is the last pod. Second last, oh, last pod together that we yep. were recording together for probably a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the the second of my trident, the second prong. Yep. Uh, the Goonies. Yeah. What a classic childhood film. It was. It brought back a lot of good memories from mm-hmm. uh, from my childhood, that's for sure. Yep. As I said, I have watched this in the last 10 years. So I probably watched it in this last year. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> the ripper film. It is. So, of course, we are doing the 1985 adventure comedy film, The Goonies. It was directed by Richard Donner, stars Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Kerry Green, Martha Plimpton, and Ki-Hu Kwan. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, co-stars Joey Pantaleone, Anne Ramsey, Robert Darby, and John Matsuzak. Matsuzak? Anyway. Hmm. Had a budget of nineteen million, made one hundred and twenty-five million. I surely so, made more than that since then. Well, possibly. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know with streaming and everything else, but that's what it made at the time. Um, generally had good reviews. I know Roger Ebert wrote a smooth mix of the usual ingredients from a Steven Spielberg action movie, made special because of the high energy performance of the kids who have the adventures. Hmm. Uh, average score on Rotten Tomatoes is 6.5 out of 10, IMDb 7.7, Metacritic 62 out of 100, but has a user score of 7.4. Mm. And if I can get my into my uh, iPad to work, in 2017, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Hmm. Well, well it does a decision. good job of the eight, you know the eighties setting compared to like I mean Stranger Things is really good and everything, but this is really authentic eighties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's because this was made yeah. in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> it is very eighties. Yeah, it is. Um, it's always interesting comparing those kind of remakes of a, an era versus stuff from the era. Yeah, um, usually you get more of the the actually more of the attitudes of the era line up in your original sort of eighties sort of films versus the remakes. Yeah. So that's always interesting analysis. Yeah. This is going to be one of my questions later, but I might ask it now. Whatever happened to the shorts-pants combo? 
The shorts. <laughs> the old brand, Brandon Rock throughout. Uh, I don't know. Um, the old shorts over the sweatpants. Is it, it necessary? No, probably not. I, it was never a thing with anyone I me well, or anyone I it's, knew. I mean, it probably is back in some ways because you do have the um, the skins. Like, well, you know, true. Sports. Men always, or men should always wear shorts over their skins. Yeah. So you know, it's back in the twenty twenties. Yes. It's um, it's been reimagined. So that's what happened to it. It died and then it came back. It has. Let's hope not. Let's not hope. Let's hope some of the fashion from the eighties doesn't come back. So, Glenn, you're the only one of us who hadn't seen this movie. Yep. What were your thoughts when I chose it? Oh, it was something I hadn't seen. So, yeah, I was happy to watch it. Yeah, I was excited. That's why I didn't want you to swap to Godfather at the last minute. There. <laughs> Me too. Because um, I haven't seen this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was interested to see it because I like eighties adventure. Just looking at the. Uh, just you know, eighties and a bunch of kids having an adventure. It reminded me of like Explorers or something like that, and which I really yeah, like. Yeah, that was a fun um, film. I thought, oh, I hope it's like that. You know, yeah, mm. big adventure, kids just going on this unbelievable, crazy mm. adventure, and that was pretty much what I got. So yeah, it was good. Oh, good, Michael. You obviously, if you've watched this more probably more recently than I have, you must love this film. Look, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan. Um, it has resurfaced across the years for various viewing. Purposes like you know what do you want to watch? Watch the Goonies, mm. um, yeah. And it's you know obviously it's it's a kids' film in the sense that like it's it's made for for you know young people to kind of watch and, mm. and enjoy that adventure. But I think it's it, it stays enjoyable across like you know across the ages. Like you can you can watch it and find new and exciting things to kind of take out of it. And um, you know, particularly you look at some of the lines now and you go, you know, that's probably a little bit adult. <laughs> Yeah, say. yeah. There's a, there's always a few of those in. Well, that was the first shot of the film. Like, mm. I was like, is this? I was like, is this a kids' movie? The first like opening scene is a guy yeah. hanging in a prison cell, and I was like, it's oh, much more brutal. This 80s. is for yeah, yeah <laughs> this is for kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's no great as hell in the eighties. It's <laughs> much. It's a lot more, a lot raw, a lot yeah. raw. Um, well, well, that's parental supervision and stuff like model that. Model cuddling, anyone? <laughs> so, look, I've, I've always enjoyed this movie. Uh, and as I said, I probably watched it yeah, on the plane. Oh, it would have been six years ago at least. Um, and I enjoyed it again then. So when I saw an opportunity, I was looking for a way, obviously, to get to one of my favourite movies and I can do it through this. And when I saw The Path of the Fugitive, then to the Goonies, I thought, well, that would be a fun ride. We're going mm. back in time, but it'll be a fun ride. We'll see. Uh, watch a couple of really enjoyable movies, and then we'll get on to what is the piece of cinematic masterpiece, mm. which we'll do. I'm sure we'll talk we'll talk about it later on. Yep. Um, Mahu, play the trailer. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Meet Mikey. I got another fast one. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. Oh, come on, Brand. Slip with the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even look. Mouth. Right, gotcha. Now get out from behind there. You're ruining the painting. You're ruining right. my job. Stephanie. Data. Booty Beta. Ow. Guys, isn't that neat? And Chunk. Slop. They call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend. 
But they're not alone. Trunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. That's the it. Sounds like Kong. Discover what they uncover. And he was full of rubies and, and emeralds and diamonds. The Lost Map. The secret caves. Hey, Mikey! You can hear me! Run! Run! They're coming after you! Jerusalem! The hidden clues. Mikey! The treacherous traps. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Take the oath. Join the adventure as Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. All right. Uh, as always, um, there will be spoilers, people. Uh, so if you have not seen this movie and you don't want the movie spoiled for you as we go through our review, pause the pod, go and watch the movie. It's under two hours, so it's nice and quick. <laughs> Come back and listen to our, I'm sure, scintillating review. I mean, to be fair, it has been out for a long time. So, well, you yeah, know. you've had a chance to, yeah. to watch it. But then Glenn hadn't, so mm. we can't mock people for that. <laughs> and I'll uh, take on well, the synopsis. Not while I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Facing foreclosure of their loans in the Goondocks area of Astoria, Oregon, to an expanding country club, a group of children who call themselves the Goonies, Mike Walsh, Data, Mouth, Data, Mouth, Chunk, gather for a final weekend together. Rubbaging through the Walsh's attic, they come across a 1632 doubloon and an old treasure map purporting to lead to the treasure of the legendary pirate One-Eyed Willie believed to be located somewhere nearby. Mikey considers One-Eyed Willie to be the original Goonie. Seeing the treasure as their last chance to save their homes, the kids overpower and bind Mikey's older brother, Brand, uh, and make their way to an abandoned restaurant on the coast that coincides with the map. Brand soon follows alongside Andy, a cheerleader who has a crush on him, and Steph, Andy's friend. The group eventually discovers that the derelict restaurant is a hideout for the Fratelli crime family. Francis, Jake, and their mother. The Goonies find a tunnel in the basement and follow it, but Chunk leaves to alert the police. When Chunk flags down a motorist to go to the sheriff's station, he gets abducted by the Fratellis and imprisoned with their hulking, deformed younger brother, Sloth. I love that moment. That moment where, like, you know, he's, he's finally got to the road after being, like, you know, getting out of the restaurant, and he's, he's got to the road and he flags down a car and he's explaining, like, you know, someone goes, what seems to be the problem? And is explaining it to this person in the dark, and then the light comes on, and it's, uh, I think Jake Fratelli. Awesome! I like, it's like it's, it's a really nice moment, and of course he sings the opera stuff, which is kind of which is <laughs> which is a good. common theme through the early part. Yeah, he's got a marvelous voice. He does. That's like you know, I did look at he's a qualified opera singer, like he's a trained singer. Obviously, it sounds like that. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Also a Bond villain that bloke, as he should be. 
Yeah. Yeah. Does um, he sing opera in that? Uh, no. No, he's not as good as he is in here. No, I don't think not. he chases hobbits in that either. <laughs> <laughs> the Fratellis interrogate Chunk uh, until he reveals where the Goonies have gone and begin pursuit, which was quite a funny scene. Uh, Chunk is left behind with Sloth and, bef- who, and befriends him. After Sloth frees them both, Chunk calls the sheriff, who thinks it's another one of Chunk's tall tales. Mm. Chunk and Sloth follow the trail of the Fratellis. They're really, they're really playing that, you know, boy who cries wolf thing there. Yeah, pretty very hardcore. much so. Yeah. Um, well, no one believes Chunk. So he's well, obviously got a history with this. Yeah, and I guess it's like, you know, you'd listen to some of the stories like that time Michael Jackson came over to your place. Yeah. Um, the time you saved the Clearly the not old true. People. He'd be more traumatised. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, controversial. <laughs> yeah, he could have been. Um, um, and the time he saved the old people from the burning uh, old person's home, I think that was one of the stories he yeah. said. So. Um, Classic, like you know, so many kind of made-up stories that you just go, "Ah, oh, I see, <laughs> see why you're not believed now." Um, and this is glossed over. What's what's we get? To, this is where they find, you know, they do some pretty good sleuthing to find out, you know, where the tunnel is, and yeah, you know, we get some um, some pretty funny moments during this time. So, what are your thoughts, Glenn, at this stage, having been the oh, only one who hadn't seen it? Yeah, it was fine. I was. That whole scene, like you were talking about, on the road where he tra- flags down the car and tells the story, it's very much, and not just this part, but a lot of this was like the Famous Five or those books I used to read when I was that age. You know, just yeah. the, the adventure and the kidnappers chasing the kids, and yeah, it's all very what I was into yeah. at the time, and um, feels very much of its time, really. Yeah, and of yeah. course that leads into the um, the chunk being sort of interrogated scene. Yeah. Which is priceless. Which is fantastic. They're trying to. <laughs> they're about to um, put his hand in a blender, and he's telling him everything he's done violin. wrong since grade three. Yeah, and, oh, start at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Um. The, the hilariously the um the scene where you know he's talking about like he made the uh, uh, sound and like you know threw up uh, some fake puke. <laughs> Steven Spielberg did that. That's based on a a thing he did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Naughty. Yeah. He um he does write really well for kids, Steven Spielberg. Mm. Like if you like, ET is another one, obviously, um, that he directed, but uh, which he wrote. It's a story of his own. Um, and again, I think it's yeah, he just seems to know how to to write and and direct for kids. Yeah, it's just nice with eighties movies or earlier movies because when they get in these situations and they have to figure out how to get away and escape and. Instead of these days where it's like, oh, no, I have no reception. Oh, where's my phone? Oh, my battery's dead. It's all about your phone and, oh, I need a phone. Mm. But now, but back then it was like they mm. didn't exist, so it was more. You've actually got a problem solved. Yeah. 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 Which is nice. Yeah. It's funny having, um, well, mid to late teenage kids, They kids nowadays do seem to struggle to problem solve without some sort of technology. Yeah. Mm. You know. Where, where previously you had to try and find the information, now you can Google it, or now you can use Google Maps, or now. You- Look, I'm not going to lie. I, I sometimes do refer to the internet to get through a game problem. <laughs> you know, it's handy to do. Let's rely on other people's kind of problem solving. <laughs> We've written it down somewhere. Who are much cleverer than I am. The Goonies evade several de- deadly booby traps along the tunnels while barely staying ahead of the Fratellis. They finally reach the grotto where Willie's pirate ship, the Inferno, is anchored. 
The group discovers that the ship is filled. Don't blame me. This is off Wikipedia. Okay? We, can, Wiki, Wikipedia we, can dis- we can discuss this. It's, miss of it. it's good that Epic in part. person we can give each other a look like these. <laughs> like, like, we'll just start a look like. Just like I, think you've just, I think you've just missed 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think closer to an hour. <laughs> you know, there's the, mm. like, there's the, there is the booby trap sequence with the rocks and then that leads them to the pipe moment. Which well, it does you know, say here they evade several booby traps. Yeah, but, you know, you're missing some of the, the core dramatic moments in there. Like the, the kiss. There's, the kiss. Yeah, the kiss. Yeah. Um, the well. The well where, like, Mikey gives that really impassioned speech about, like, you know. This is someone's wish. Yeah. Oh, no, my wish is my mouth. wish. I love that one. Yeah. But then Mikey gives the one, like, you know, you know, I want to go home. And it's like, you know, but. You know, next last time, chance. Yeah. Like, like, next time you see the sky. It'll, it'll be, be over another town. town. Yeah. You know, when you take another test. I mean, odd one to reference, <clears> Mikey. But when you take another test, it'll be another school. I mean, because we love tests. Mm. <laughs> um, wow. that, that, those moments are, like, you know, what the core of this film and then the chase up until the like you know the um the bone piano like that's probably what you know a big part of that sort of climactic rise like because that's yeah. where the fratellis get there so you know they're kind of the i think that's it's an important part not to skip this is why we're recapping it now for you people uh, we're right. recapping it now evaded several movie traps covers all of that all of that yeah <laughs> So, well, we've done that now. Yes. Don't blame me. This is <laughs> Wikipedia. This is Wikipedia. Lift your game. You can edit this, Michael, and you can start putting some. I could, in but that would that would actually kind of take time. Okay. Um, <laughs> Someone's yes. got to edit the pod. AI <laughs> could edit it. <laughs> um, yeah. So they found the Inferno, which is um, One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship. Yep. The group discovers that the ship is filled with treasure, and they start filling their pockets. But Mikey warns them not to take any on the set of scales in front of Willie's skeleton, considering that to be their tribute to him. Mm. Smart man, Mikey. Yep, I am. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> as the Goonies are planning their escape, the Fratellis appear and strip them of their loot. The Fratellis start to bind the Goonies' hands and make them walk the plank until Chunk and Sloth arrive and distract the Fratellis long enough for the Goonies to jump overboard and swim to safety. Brand saves Andy from drowning and they can finally kiss. The Fratellis proceed to grab all the treasure they can, including those on Willie's scales. Silly. Because this triggers another booby trap, which causes the grotto to cave in. With Sloth's help, the Goonies and Fratellis barely escape. It's kind of funny. Because if the Fratellis hadn't actually run, if they just stayed, oh, shit's going on, booby trap. Let's just stay here. It looks pretty solid. They would have sailed out with the ship. Hmm. And then they could have gone, all right, let's steer this, you know, this puppy to the, like, you know, thing and look what we found. Yeah, we're rich. Yeah. Yep. I did think that. Hmm. Um, the two groups emerge on Astoria's beach where the Goonies reunite with their families and the police. The Fratellis are, are arrested. But Chunk prevents Sloth from being also taken in. He invites Sloth to live with him, which Sloth is- <laughs> which, He doesn't invite. He says, you're living with me now. Yeah, he doesn't yep. have to invite. Yeah, which Sloth you obviously live with accepts. Yep. Just as Mikey's father is about to sign the foreclosure papers, the Walsh's housekeeper, Rosalita, discovers that Mikey's marble bag is filled with gems he took from the ship that had not been seized by the Fratellis. Mm. Mike's father triumphantly rips up the papers, declaring that they have enough money to negate the foreclosure. As the Goonies are recounting the tale of their adventure to the disbelieving press and police, Mm. everyone's attention is drawn to the Inferno having broken free of the grotto, sailing off majestically on its own in the distance. Yeah. Ironically, we got more paragraphs about the last five minutes than we did about the 45 minutes throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean... With the booby traps. Someone's but, to anyway. Let's go back and into that Wikipedia thing, get a, a proper plot going. Yeah. 
All right. End movie. Finn. Okay. We'll start our categories. Cast and characters. I've written down. Well, look, the fo- the well, I've chosen four and they're the main- There's obviously more than that. Yeah. They're the main, the main ones, although I have- some reason not put down Corey Feldman. So I mean, Sean Aston. Oh, okay. You start with Mikey. Hmm. We'll start Carries with the film. He like, does. He's the. I mean, the emotional core of the whole sort of film, which is nice, and um, and like there's elements of his character which is great, which is like you know they do that mixed up word thing, which he gets from his mom. That was kind of like you know an interesting kind of um, you know scripting thing, um, and he feels like Sean Aston gives it. It's very natural kind of performance like it's yeah. not you know um they feel like kids they do but mm. it's actually a mature performance yeah at the same time yep um i thought i really yeah you're right he carried the movie mm. um much like he carries frodo in lord of the rings i have those none of those words mean anything to me <laughs> i know they also don't have phones or good no ones. they don't problem makes, solving makes on the very difficult. <laughs> he was also good in stranger things with sean aston um, <laughs> Josh Brolin, who played his brother, Brandon. Mm, yep. It's funny seeing Josh Brolin in this when you look at Josh Brolin now yep. and a lot of the roles that he does now. Um, old Country for Old... Uh, no Country for Old Men, for oh, example. Really? That's yeah, great not a fan. And you know, Thanos, you know, in all the, you know, Avengers films. Again, you're just talking, you're just saying words. He's very purple in that one. But, yeah, he does a, a ripper performance of that. But, you know, he's quite hard now when you look at him. Mm. He's quite a hard actor. That's because he's old. Well, it's true. And yeah. we they name Brandon Walsh after the Beverly Hills 90210 character. <laughs> or was it the other Brandon way around? Walsh. Yeah, <laughs> I had to say, interesting yeah. if they named it after him, considering that was produced 10 years, of, 10 years after this. Mm. It was interesting because, like, um, Josh Brolin, like, you know, he had that sort of that 80s moment. I don't know what he did in there for a while, but then, like, he did come back to the cinema, like, to late 90s, early 2000s. It was like a ripper film where he's come in as a, like, a hard-boiled detective kind of yeah. character. I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah. He was that guy again? Oh, Josh Brolin. Yeah. So, hadn't seen him for a while, but he was, yeah, he was good in this. Um, but, you know, he's also good in, in more current stuff. Yeah. I reckon mid to late 80s actors that disappear and come back in the late 90s, it's usually something to do with drugs. I don't know if that is. So I'm not. I don't want to cast Might aspersions yeah. on Josh. So. He didn't seem to be the the kind of guy. Yeah, like Corey Corey Feldman definitely did. Well, Corey Feldman has also had some other issues from mm. all accounts. Uh, Corey Feldman, while we're on him, um, we'll just. I mean, we're just going really through the the actual main cast, the Goonies. Yeah, his character's an asshole. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's not. A, he's an unlikable character. That's for mm. sure. I think as a kid you like him more because he's you know he speaks to like you know that sort of defiance. Yeah, but um, yeah, but he's a pretty much a staple of good eighties. He's done a lot of good eighties movies. Mm, he is. Yeah, yeah. It's look. It's a cliche. It's that e- cliche early eighty or eighties cast. You've got you know the the main character who's a bit of a battler, but everyone he's friends with everyone. Everyone sort of follows him. You've got the wise ass. He's also your straight person, like your straight man. Yeah. You know, you know you've usually got the, the fat kid or the funny kid, and then you sort of, well, in this case, you've got data, but there's always some form of diversity in there as well. So, yeah, kid. it's a pretty common- Not always. I think, no, not like, always, but- I think that, um, oh, what's that character, that actor's name? Ki-Hu Kwan? Yeah, Ki-Hu Kwan, like, you know, he was good in there, like, you know, and you didn't get a lot of that in the 80s. Um, but having him there was like, you know, it was a nice- 
Yeah, he had a lot of weird inventions going on. Like all of a sudden, there's a boxing glove under his jacket. Yep. Pops yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. I mean that's that's very mm. much a product of the '80s, yes. and obviously the '80s of the James Bond of that era, mm. which was uh, Roger Moore. And that's where they did start to get a little silly, a lot of the James Bonds. See, I love that though. I love, oh, same. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Bond fan. But I, I mean- pulled things apart and wanted to invent things. You'd draw like sketches on how it'd be happened. You'd never be able to do it. No. Um, like, but to see a character kind of, yeah, I've got, you know, the bully blinders and I've got, you know, pincers of power. Yeah. <clears throat> so <Which> funny. <laughs> um, I think he has, has some of the, like, the, the highlights of the film. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's actually a really good actor because mm. he's obviously in this and Temple of Doom. Yep. Um, that he doesn't act for quite a while because of the challenge of getting roles for Asians. Yeah. Like, you know, thing. And then- um, Well, he's just won the Oscar. Yeah. Everything all, um, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. It's a ripper film. We can get to it from here, Scott. We could leap to that right now. Well, just we're not. We won't. Put your plans out We probably will go to another Oscar winning film. Yeah. Well, so I hope, good. hopefully we'll get to it next season because it's, um, it's an interesting- Yeah. Um, I, I watched half of it. Only half of it, Glenn. Mm. Then you fell asleep? I couldn't. I just too couldn't hard to follow. follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that from a few people. Well, get better at it. <laughs> uh, Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk. He's good. He was my highlight. Yeah. He's, he's funny. He was a good actor. He's a good actor. Hmm. I mean, they're all a bit shouty and a bit loud and shouty, which is a bit annoying. Um, maybe that's something to do with the quality of the sound recording or whatever, but um, he was really good and it's- I was quite surprised when I looked him up that he didn't do. He's really done. He's a lawyer now or something. He's not even yeah, entertainment lawyer, and he's done like one or two other films back then. But that's it. Mm-hmm. It's yep. very sad because I thought he was a really good actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny. There's actually a review. Colin Greenland of the uh, White Dwarf. I don't know what that is. The Goonies was unable. I was unable to enjoy because of a bunch of kids yelling and screaming all the way through. Not the audience. Not the actors. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, I mean, you did say at one stage that all they're doing is yelling. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, they're kids. They're kids. Like yeah. Kids love that sort of stuff. But uh, I actually really enjoyed his character. The sound record, like the boom and the sound opera, mm. sound recorders getting all the levels distorted. Yeah, I think they, they probably would have done a few takes. I think they like it's not. Mm. It doesn't distort. Like you, you're not going. Oh, that's not right. But no. yeah, there is that. You know, hard to. There's like they're all saying things, and I think that kind of. Plays out a real life kind of thing, you know. They often well, kids are excitable, yeah, and so, kids get loud. Having got kids, they high, yeah get loud, high energy stuff, yeah. Um, so that's pretty much covered off the actual Goonies. Anybody else who of note? Um, I thought Mama Fratelli, who I th- think is uh, Anne Ramsey. Yeah, I thought she was good. Yeah, she's she was scary. Yeah, um, and, and that's what you want as a, a kid. You know, you want a scary yeah. villain. Um, and and the guy that uh, Chunk makes friends with, he was good. Sloth, sloth. He was good too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. <laughs> um, I loved his Superman. I think, I think that you look at the, those trios, like the, the that sort of the Fratellis as a you know, as a body, like um, it you know it does play this idea of this dysfunctional kind of crime family which is kind of interesting you got jake um and their characters kind of play out really well like uh like you know he's the guy that's not listened to he's not the favorite and um and ramsey actually did slap him yeah. pretty hard slap him as hard as you can um and you know then there's the francis um you know he's like you know got that sort of attitude and 
you know, I don't wear a toupee. He's clearly wearing a toupee. Yeah, well, we see it earlier in the film <laughs> that he's clearly wearing. Yep. Um, yeah, I think they were good. Like, you know, they're kind of... They're partially likable, but unlikable. Yeah. Like, you very slap- like- I mean, it's very slapstick. Yeah. And it's as you can tell, it is designed to a kid's audience, and that's mm. the sort of things that kids laugh yeah. at, whereas as an adult, you're probably a little bit more... Eh. Yeah. Well, I was just looking at the Fratellis and I see one of them goes to Die Hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, um, so he's that, that Asian Johnson. That might be where we're going. Mm, possibly. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> crap. Nah, not crap at all. That's awesome. Scott knows where he's going. I do. Um, I think, mm. like, you know, but you look at the ensemble as a whole um, for, like, the, the Goonies and it's they're a good group. Um, you know, you've got Stephanie... Who's played by? I can't remember. Steph, that is that. Hang on. Would that Martha, be Kerry Green or Martha Plimpton? Martha Plimpton. Um, yeah, like you know, she's kind of you know plays a nice counterpoint to Mouth and like a couple other moments. And yeah, um, Andy is clearly you know enamoured with you know Brandon and it's like provides you know some good moments of comedy. I don't. Do they have their own agency? Probably not. I mean, certainly Steph does. Like, you know, she does say, like, where's the, you know, I'm in it for the gold now. Like, she's kind of very similar to mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no. They, um, yeah, I thought overall the uh, the cast and the characters were, were really good and played well. Mm. Uh, favourite scene? Glenn, I'll throw to you first. Um, I don't have a favourite scene. I couldn't, nothing really stood out as better than the rest. So... I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to just say the whole sequence underground. <laughs> you know, that's the, like that's from the first turning point to the end turning point. To be honest, <laughs> that's only one paragraph in Wikipedia, so I think technically we can. <laughs> technically, we might be able yeah. to use that. Yeah, but, go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, um, okay. Basically, the whole getting through the booby traps and fight, and then discovering yep. the treasure. Oh my god, that's um, mine too. <laughs> and and just to throw in another one, I really enjoyed the opening sequence, the escape, the car chase, and then the the kid turning off the TV and hearing the sirens in real life and going, what, what? And, it's, and it, like, you know, we were talking about like ages that. ago now, like, you know, good opening sequences. This is one of them. Like mm. this, like, you know, it kind of, it sets up like, you know, our background around the fratelli, fratellis, but it also introduces our characters over this, like, you know, exciting, like, you know, music as well. And, yeah. you know, gives us a bit of about like, you know, how, how they live, but not actually kind of um, doing weird introductions. Yeah. yeah. For me, like, cause I, I was watching it for the first time and I didn't have the nostalgia factor. So I saw that opening sequence and I was like, okay, because I didn't know what to expect. And mm. I was like, okay, no, this is so far, this is really good. And um, and then well, and then soon they're leaving on their bikes. And I was like, okay, we're actually getting into this pretty quick. So that's good. Yeah. Um, it doesn't waste good. time yeah. in this movie. It doesn't. No. So I appreciated that. And then just picking one actual scene, those is, yeah, too hard. But yeah. Fair enough. Um, I had the piano sequence. Mm. Um, as part of my, as probably one of my favourite scenes. It, I just, it, it's something new. It, you know, this. I don't know. Look, I don't know how they've set up a piano with bones. It just seems odd. Yeah, and how do they get air to kind of? Because it's like meant to be a bit of a pipe organ thing. Yeah, how do they pressurise the air. Uh, 
But yeah, you know, like when she gets one wrong and they lose the ho- like one whole side of it, I just thought it was well done. Mm. Um, and you know, it had some nice tension, and yeah, you know, obviously the Fratellis are coming up as well, and yeah, I yep. thought it was well done. Oh, it plays it plays really well, and the even slightly just before that when they're kind of crossing the bridge and you get you know slick shoes, yeah. Um, you know, leading up to it, that's funny. Like, you know, it's sort of like he oils the, the log and, and then he, the Fratellis come across and, you know, flip They do like Home Alone flips. And yeah. 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 So, <laughs> Cliche fall and hurt your nuts sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, that's uh, uh, I reckon that sequence, not the piano, but the actual waterfall, that was the film clip for the Cindy Lauper song. I think it's all in there, like a lot of it. <clears throat> there's, a, there's actually a 12-minute version of the video. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like it tells part of, like, you know, has the story kind of covered within it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. I've just found out about it, so I'm going to go check it out. Yeah, you have to check it out. Mm. Um, and I really enjoy the part where uh, Chunk and Sloth become friends. Mm. And <laughs> they're sharing the Babe Ruth bar and mm-hmm. all of that. I just, I don't know. Oh, was that uh, some epic product placement right there? Yeah. It was like, you know, Babe Ruth, it took up like a, a you know. It took up a, half a of the screen. third of the screen. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it was like It was like, wow. And it's got the wrapper pointed right out. Baby Ruth? <laughs> or Babe Ruth? Um, yeah. But yeah, that was that was a nice. Yeah, he does well with the product placements, um, Steven Spielberg. Mm. It's very blatant though. Mm. That's yeah. all right. They they pay the money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was about it for me. But mm. like Glenn, like there's there's probably it's, it's difficult to set. You know, there's so many parts where they're underground, which you could you could quite easily choose. The as well, well, that was not a nice scene. Yeah, the, the wishing well bit. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I'll, you know, do my part. That's yeah. I think where Mikey has those. Like those uh, monologues, like I really enjoy those. Like you know, because he, like you know, where he's appealing to his friends, or if he's like speaking to Willie, um, you know, that that kind of they're nice. I like those kind of moments in the in this film. Yeah, he's um, the only one that truly believes. Yeah, and and hard is like you know, no, we're going to do this. Um, the water slide scene that was fun. Like as yeah. they kind of, <laughs> I liked I liked that how they had the camera going down. And I was like, I bet the cinematographer was like, yeah, that one wasn't quite good. I need to have another go because it was fun as well. <laughs> well, I was, I was thinking about it as they, like um, we were watching it and then and there's a couple of bits where the kids are on their backs and the camera is right there. I reckon they're holding it. They're holding a rig as they kind of mm. go down. That would have been quite challenging. Um, yeah, and then there was another one, I think Steph, no, maybe not Steph, but no, I like spinning the, around. Yeah, the, the stunt person, they... Mm. It was impressive because they yeah. did two or three flips in a row. Yep. And I thought, oh, geez, that wouldn't be easy. Yeah. And, and like as a kid, you're just thinking, yeah, that water slide is the bomb. I want to mm. be on that. Make that as a make that as a thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, uh, all the yeah, all the boob track sequences we talked about. Um, I really like the attic scene, and that kind of because it sets up a lot of the the story. Like we've come up with, you know, we've got, you know, we're going to lose the uh, the goon docks. We go up to the attic and it's got like, you know, how we're setting up like, you know, the, um, you know, the whole, you know, the lost treasure, Chester Copperpot. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a thing and, and also kind of develops those relationships a bit more. Like, you know, we see how Mouth is a, you know, practical joker and or a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, you know, puts his tongue through a painting, which is probably- <laughs> Worth a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Chunk is the klutz. Yeah, I like um, how they just let make him hold it because they wants to break it over. He's like, yeah, just hold yeah. it. Get him yeah. to hold it I for mean, a minute. I could, <laughs> he could probably just break it himself, but he'd probably feel bad. Whereas like, oh, I gave it to Chunk and he broke it. Like, you know, that becomes a reasonable excuse. And it's a very, very likely. Hmm. Mm. So, but there's a nice good mise-en-scene, like all the stuff in there, like all the setting and, you know, how it's framed. Just like, yeah. you know, and it really sets cool. up that one, let's just do one last, 
one last adventure. Mm. Which, you know, you kind of wonder what there are previous adventures. What do mm. they get up to? Um, I imagine it can't be as epic as this. No, I wouldn't yeah. have thought so. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask while we're, or maybe this is a quick, no, it's a question. I'll hold That's on to right. it. I'll You're going to ask it now. Okay. One-eyed willy. Yep. Euphemism? The penis? Is that... <laughs> no, one, no one ever thought that? I do believe it's because he had one eye. Yeah. yeah. That's... Yeah. That would be my idea. <laughs> that was pretty much established later. But no, well, look, it might have been. Mm. There might be... Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, that would always come... Like, you know, that's a more recent thought. Maybe that's just you. Yeah. <laughs> just maybe. maybe Spielberg thought it was funny or someone who... Yeah. yeah. Apparently, there's a, there is a whole backstory to One-Eyed Willie and the actual kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Anyway, favourite scenes, sorted. Done. Other notable aspects? Go more. Okay. <laughs> um, I really like the, the relationship with Brandon Miking. Um set up early. Like, there's a there's both that kind of antagonistic and then caring as well. Yep. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that aspect of the writing. Uh Brand probably could have sorted out his tyres with little lost time. Um, you know, all right, they've clearly flattened it. I can get the pump or find a pump, pump back up, off you go. Well, all they did was unscrew the cap. Yeah. So, A, that wouldn't have made your tyres go down. No. Because, like, you Unless they've pulled out the middle part or something like that, I don't It didn't look yeah. like it. But, you know, I think a little bit of effort, you probably could have got that back up. Yeah. Um, And would have probably, like, saved him a, like, a trip down the hill. But- it, Again, that's pretty funny. Mm. So, um, there was, there's a, I guess it's when you watch it on high quality televisions um, versus like, you know, when you, the original screening in the 80s and you're watching it on, you know, VHS. VHS um, you can tell like, you know, where those effects shots come up, yeah. like where they're like strongly affected. And one of them was pretty obvious with the, it was a three part composite shot with a doubloon, the friends, and the background. Did you? I'm not sure if you picked that up. Like you can tell it was like blue, like green screen or blue screened at the time. Like you know, because you've got the the extreme close up of the the doubloon, then there's a friends in the background, and then the the yeah. actual the background plate, the restaurant that's been there since 1963. Yeah. Um. 1623. Well, the sp- the spot's been there. Yeah. yeah. It's an odd one. <clears throat> that's um, one of my questions. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. But otherwise, there are some really nicely composed shots in there. I think like um. Uh, there's moments where you'd usually with like, uh, there's some early with, you know, I can remember with, with Mikey, he's in the, the right hand third looking back at his friends and there's space in there. Like, you know, it's kind of, they're not putting him in the middle. They're putting him on the right side of the screen, which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and there's one particularly in the, like in the a restaurant where he's downstairs and he's, they're about to go down, um, and he's they've done this strip of lighting across his eyes, um, and it's like you know yeah it all starts here. And I thought you know that was a nice combination of lighting and and like you know composition. And they do like the lighting across the um, the film is really good. Like there's you know they actually like play with like there's I mean there's bits where you go should there be lights there, um, but you know they actually kind of each space has a different sort of lighting sort of aspect, which is really cool. Um, I thought the score. How does the score? Mm. It was good. Yeah. Um, like, and they got little, you know, there's little themes for, you know, for data and, um, and like, you know, when it's like the chase and a kind of re- that repeated motif of those kind of songs, I thought was, you know, really good. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not sure if you clocked it, but, you know, and I like films that start um, sometimes with the sound effects coming in. It's called a J-cut where you've got the sound that precedes the actual vision. Um, and, yeah, there was a nice – that was done nicely. But you had the title car with the Goonies on it and we're hearing the, the walking through the prison and, like, you know, prison sounds or the kind of jail sounds. Um, and then we go to, you know, the, the actual jail where we meet Jake Fratelli. Yep. Um that was cool. Um, the fireplace was inconsistent. I'm not sure if you noticed that. How so? So um, there's one where, like, when they start, it's kind of warm. Well, yeah, I was wondering. I, I was going to have that as one of my questions because it seemed hot. And I'm going, yeah. why would there be a fireplace on down here? But then maybe they were using the counterfeiting machine. Yep. But then they, they pull the grate apart, which probably would have been hot. And um, there's no fire. And like, you know, yeah, and they go down. And then afterwards, there's like a red glow from the back and a little bit of like at the front. So, yeah. Um, I guess it, you you watch it so many times, you can start picking up on these little yeah. floors. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've got oh, there's more. Um, data, love that kid in his theme song. That was good. Um, the setting. Like, you know, that Astoria town setting was, you know, really pretty. And, yeah, it was pretty um, cool. And also the underground sort of sets and, like, the actual ship um, was good. Um, I really like the Rube Goldberg machine setup. So when we first go to Mikey's place to get let Chunk in, they kind of, he starts a Rube Goldberg machine, um, which, of course, then we see multiple times through the booby traps. Yeah. That there's, like, you know, basically these machines that have got... Lots of movement and do things, but really they're and they're kind of simple, but they do not much at the end. So you know, open the gate, start a booby trap. So how did Mouth get in? How did Chunk get in the house? No, how did Mouth get in? Oh yeah, good question. You've pre- I don't know. I think you probably just opened the gate. Yeah. Or came in the back door. Maybe. No, yeah. I think you come. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I thought you came mm. in the front, but <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting. It's like and like when you're a kid, that stuff was cool. Like you said, oh, how cool would it be to have something like that? Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the dialogue sets up the characters well. Like it's actually craftily written, I think. Um, and sometimes it seems a bit adult for some of the kids. Like that sort of line I started with, Mum's most favourite piece. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mouth follows up with like, you know, well, we wouldn't be here if we wasn't. Yeah, the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, like this whole all mouths kind of Spanish, like you know, dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, always separate the dragas. Um, <laughs> this is, this is up, up there's his was it sexual abuse room or something like yeah, that? Yeah, sexual torture, <laughs> torture, torture chamber or whatever it was. It's like, <laughs> um, and you go, oh, is that you know, is that a bit too adult? But I guess like you know, if they're high schoolish, you know, um, yeah, kids kids do talk like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's it. And, and I guess like the the last one, which I noted, was the the balloon doesn't take into the four hundred years of erosion that could have occurred. What if the rocket eroded away? Well, look, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of Glenn's questions later. Hmm. And Glenn? that that are all they're all my notable aspects. No, it's Glenn. Um, I had exactly the same. Yep, yep. Mm, it's Michael, <laughs> so he's already covered it. Um, I just had it like it's very and it should be very eighties because it is set in the eighties. But it's funny watching back about how 80s it is. You know, like as we were saying with data, with the, you know, being a James, such a James Biden tragic that you're, you're creating all these sort of gadgets and stuff yourself. 
um, it's something that probably wouldn't happen nowadays because a the the James Bonds that are out now don't really have a lot of the gadgets that they used to. Whereas yeah. in that Roger Moore, they were starting to become. You got a lot of silly gadgets. I think I'd actually counter. That. I think there's probably a culture of more of that, particularly because when you you take into account um, YouTube. And all these people making, you know, you've got Mark Rober who makes kind of like, you know, gadgets. He does the um, the glitter bombs for, you know, parcel thieves. Um, and now he's got like um, Crunch Labs, which is like a, a place for kids to come along to learn how to do engineering stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's a pretty popular channel with um, kids. And there's like a, um, yeah, there's lots of people making stuff. Yeah. Um, right. And people who watch that. So I wonder if like there's a, we know about it less. But the that sort of culture is there. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's – you wouldn't think kids are doing it, but I think that sort of – you know, it's still there. Yeah. All these crazy inventions and whatnot, but they're very mm. much – you don't really see them outside of 80s movies. No. no you know, yes. Back to the Future, you know, at the start of Back to the Future, they have it. Um, where is it the toaster the, and the yeah, doc. all that stuff, Doc? Yeah, how yeah, he and feeds, like it he just seems to dogs, be Spielberg yeah. and all his sort of friends <laughs> to put him in the in their movies back in the eighties, and and they mm. just seem to be all those sort of eighties comedy type. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and obviously you know the fashion and just I don't know, just just that whole it just felt eighties, which though it should it's set in the eighties mm. and yep. was made in eighty five, so. Mm. Um, it moves this movie this we've talked about it in the previous one. I think this movie moves really well. It's really well paced. There's not a lot of downtime. No. At either, at any stage. There's always something happening. And so. any like any of those slower moments that you're usually about to hit an emotional core moment, like yeah. kinda um Yeah, like the well for like we're talking yeah. about with the well, for example. That's probably a bit of a slower moment. But again, you know, you get a couple of good monologues, you know, first from, you know, mouth about how this was this was my wish and it didn't come true and mm. I'm, so I'm going to take the rest. And then you've got Mikey basically saying, no, this is like this is our last day. This is our last day on the goondocks. Like we've got to keep going. We've got to try. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, I just thought it, it, this, you know, this is under two hours and it's, yeah, it just it doesn't even feel like it goes that long. Mm. Um, and I thought most of the cave sequences actually looked quite good and semi-realistic like it didn't feel it's obviously in a studio or a sand stage or something but it doesn't feel yeah. like that it actually does just the general feel and all the water and everything else just feels like they're very good sets yeah what it would be like to be in that sort of cave i thought they did really well mm. especially at the time yeah so yeah uh questions queries tidbits glenn you've got a few yeah that restaurant <laughs> they're looking through that Metal or coin or whatever it was, medallion. Yeah. And the lighthouse and the rock and the restaurant. And I'm like, how's the restaurant lining up if that's from the 1600s? But yeah. So I'm assuming I'm assuming it's a lighthouse, not the restaurant. Because they line it up with the two rocks and you've got the lighthouse. Isn't the lighthouse part of the restaurant? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's next to it or. There's a shot where they kind of blended because the, the actual kind of, re- uh, the lighthouse is all burnt out at the top. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, so maybe that's why, because there always would have been a lighthouse at that point, because it's, I mean, it's on a how point. Light, I don't know if that would have been from 1600s. Maybe there was something else there that kind of, you know, it's a fair question. Like, it, yeah. I think it, it, it makes a great sort of, you know, um, MacGuffin kind of moment. But certainly... The oldest existing lighthouse, 20 BC. Oh, yeah, there you go. Maybe it wasn't there the whole time. 
Any other questions, Glenn? Uh, the uh, was it Rosalita? Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about her. She's so funny. She had she was treated poorly by yeah, this family. Yeah. The kid especially, and then she discovers all these gems. Well, I wouldn't have. If it was her, put them in your pocket. Say, so walk the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, just <laughs> got no, no loyalty to this family. Why are you saving them? You're right. It's not even like you work. For, it's not even like she's the long term maid no. or mm-hmm. she's part of the family. Like she's there to help pack. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I did she think can that too. she could probably use it more than they could, even though they're in trouble. You know, have to move to a different town. But I mean, you know, she's hired to pack someone else's cases. Mm. Like if they can afford that, then they're doing okay. Um, she. Oh, she should have just kept it. Yeah, she's only she's um like she's only been hired because uh, the mum has got a a bung arm. Yeah. Mm. Um. But yeah, but I guess that just you know marks. I would have had to do it. Rosalita. Yeah, marks Rosalita such as a as a good person that she would do that. Yeah. Mm. Who's treated harshly throughout. Yeah. Except right at the end when they loved her. Well, that's right. Yeah. Um. Is that it? It's mainly harshly by mouth. Well, yeah. Oh, the other one. Um, surely that's attempted murder when you're zooming your car along with the bike, holding onto a bike yeah. alongside, and then off he goes off the cliff or whatever. Like, yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> and uh, well, they do that with um, in Karate Kid as well when the bikes push um, Daniel Larusso down the hill. Mm. He takes a pretty big tumble. Was he driven off a cliff though? I mean, that's well, he sort of, of he sort of moved off because they were on motorbikes and he's on a, just a pushy. So yeah, yeah. I don't know, it was just an 80s thing. But you're right, that is <laughs> rather, <laughs> There's a crime there. It is ridiculous. Yep. Um, I've got a couple. So you're telling me the cops couldn't have jumped over that, what was a fairly, not that higher ring of fire around there. just walk through it. Yeah. Like, like, you just jump it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't exactly <laughs> that. I wouldn't have thought it was that difficult, but hmm. the kid's movie. Um wouldn't the map get destroyed by the amount of water that they end up going in? Probably. Look, the and the only reason the map did get destroyed um, was because Sean Aston's mum threw it out. Yep, I saw that. <laughs> what, in real life? Yeah, real life. According oh. to Sean Aston, he was allowed to keep the treasure map used in the film. Several years later, his mother, Patty Duke, discovered it, thought it was just a crinkled piece of paper, oh. and threw it in the bin. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you'd be the worst, wouldn't you? Um, I reckon they've they've probably they've made more than one or maybe they didn't I don't know yeah and my last one was geez the Fratelli's caught up quick like you know the Goonies took quite a while to get you know through those stages because you think the the Fratelli's would have had to get around those big boulders that dropped and things like that but they they just seemed to catch up well they did unless they took a shortcut the Goonies did all the hard work though like they Triggered most of the traps, yeah, and opened most of the the passageways, yeah. But still, yeah. like it's not like you can just instantly walk around. I don't know. I just mm. thought they caught up quick. Yeah, and maybe it was the battle with the giant octopus that actually, um, <laughs> yeah, what, slowed them down. Yeah, it's interesting that line. Yeah, that's because it's a, there's actually a scene where they fight a giant octopus. Oh, we've never seen a theatrical release. The other, the other, um. Notable aspects that we didn't say was references to Gremlins and Superman and all yeah. these other films. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the the actual like I really love the Superman 
score change as well. Like he ref- <laughs> like the sloth pulls open his um his top. There's a Superman logo, but it like you know it pops in like you know da 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 da. It's like yeah. And I love the one of his stories he'd made up was either the creatures that multiply when you put water on. Yeah, which would have been even funnier if this came out before Gremlins and it was just like a pre-reference, but it, it didn't. But no. it would have been great if it did. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think it was Spielberg. I think Spielberg was involved in Gremlins. Hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of trivia. I don't know what it says. I don't think I'll put it in, but yeah, there's yeah. a um, there are those nods. Yeah. Any other questions, Michael? Um, no. I have one more question. Are you going to leap with the casting person because you can go to Short Circuit, Total Recall, oh, Short Circuit, um, Inner Space. At least we can get to Steve Gutenberg. You can get to heaps of stuff through the casting. Police people. Academy is on its way. No. Um, <laughs> when do you get this opportunity, Glenn? You just never know. Uh, so many good <laughs> movies for the casting. Anyway, that was my last question. Sorry to jump no. in with it. All right. Oh, hang Michael. on. Did I? No. Trivia. Did you press record? Yes. Yeah, I press record. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> it is recording. Trivia. Yes, it is recording. Um, trivia. Um, uh, when rocks are falling from the cave ceiling, uh, Ki Hu Kwan screams, Holy S H I T. He said he spelled the expletive because his mother made him promise not to use any bad language in the film. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, at around 46 minutes, when Fratelli brothers argued, Anne Ramsey really slapped Robert Davey. She was told to do, uh, to hit him as hard as she could. The pirate ship, Inferno, was entirely real. Um, staggering. It is. All the shots were filmed in the ship. After the film, it was offered to anyone who would take it. No one wanted it, so the ship was scrapped. It just That's heartbreaking. <laughs> um. Robert Davey, who's a trained opera singer, came up with the idea where he sings to Sloth from uh, Giacomo's Puccini's opera, Madame Butterfly, Madama Butterfly. Um, production designer J. Michael Reaver said in a National Public Radio interview that before shooting the first scenes with a prop map, he thought that it looked good but not old enough. So in his hotel room, he aged it with coffee when he couldn't find paint, his own blood. Wow. That was dark. Yeah, it's a little bit, got a bit dark. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cohen thought of his mother dying to generate tears during his confession scene with the Fratellis. Oh. That's really sad. Again, yeah. It is. Um, all the main characters are referred to by nickname, um, and their real names are not mentioned, but, you know, there's Michael Walsh as Mikey, Mouth as Clark Devereaux, mm. uh, Data as Richard Wang, Brand as Brandon Walsh, Chunk is Lawrence Cohen, Andy is Andrea Teresa Carmichael. Who puts... <laughs> wow. Steph is Stephanie Steinbrenner uh, and Sloth is Lotney Fratelli. Oh. Ah, Lotney. Lotney. Um uh Lupe Ontiveris, who played the non English speaking Rosalita, was in fact US born and spoke perfectly good English. She actually helped script the um the script team with the English Spanish translation of the hilarious line said by uh to her by mouth. Um, and even helped him phonetically learn the lines during rehearsals as Corey didn't actually know Spanish language. <laughs> I think that's a that's that's really nice when you kind of think that. Um, the Goonie oath that was cut out goes as follows. I will never betray my goondock friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends. Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, 
Good pals like us will stick like tar in the city or the country or the forest or the boonies. I am proudly declared a fellow goonie. Wow. There's an oath. Yeah. War and tar don't rhyme, but unless you um, go nuclear war. Yeah, nuclear war. Or we'll stick like tour. Tour. Yeah. Um, anyway. Mostly shot in sequence. Total production took five months. Um, it's a long production. Yeah. Uh, the cast was not allowed to see the pirate ship before the scene was shot, as director Richard Donner wanted to catch the genuine surprise rea- um, reactions as the um, the size and scope of it when you know, when it was revealed. When they did see it, Josh Brolin was so surprised that he exclaimed, holy shit, and the scene had to be reshot. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon um, they should have, because they said okay, there was a couple of swear words in it. You probably could have, unless they couldn't have another one in case it got bumped out of PG or whatever it was. Well, they, they actually, the whole premise of like the swearing was they'd put it in places where it could be easily sort of manipulated or um, because it was, you know, it was a noisy kind of moment. Yeah. Um, here's another dark one. One-eyed Willie's skull was made from real bone. Ew. <laughs> mm. I loved this one. I thought this effect was the best. Oh, it was really good. The bats were made of crumpled black pieces of crepe paper that were shot out of an air cannon. Not obviously the bats that we saw, like, jiggling, but the ones blowing out of the, yeah. the hole. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, the one I'd really ship, the Inferno, was 105 feet long and took two and a half months to construct. It was modelled after Errol Flynn's ship, the, the Seahawk. Uh, the sails required more than 7,000 square feet of material, the largest measured 30 feet by 60 feet. Some of the ship's rigging was recycled by for the parts of the Caribbean ship at Disneyland, which uh, was being renovated at, renovated at the time. Hmm. And probably one more: the real-life banter between Joe Pantoliano and Robert Davy during their joint audition won them the roles for the movie. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. All right. It's now time for our final thoughts and ratings. Obviously, we do rate out of 10, 10 being a fantastic movie, 0 being a terrible movie, and 5 being somewhere in between. Michael, I'll go with you first. Cool. I've got, I've got one more bit of trivia too. The last name of the brothers who are chasing the Goonies is Fratelli. Fratelli means brothers in Italian. Oh. So the brothers' brothers. This is a fun kids adventure like you know you, and i think it's important to kind of consider when you're when you're watching sort of the a film um for audiences uh you know that are a different age but the same token it's one of those ones you can keep coming back to as an adult and kind of watch with your own kids or or friends um and enjoy what is like you know a fun film although you know possibly chaotic in spaces and you know kids yelling a bit um is a bit triggering if you're a teacher. Um, but, yeah, it's lots of fun and it's full of adventure and it's exactly like, you know, a really lighthearted sort of comedy adventure that um, is always worth a watch. Um, eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. Beautiful. Glenn. Um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't have the nostalgia factor, which might affect the score, I don't know, but it was better than I expected and... Um, it was fun. I probably would watch it again another time, and I would give it a seven out of ten. Seven. Um, I'm going to sit pretty much in between you two. I'm not going to go seven points. You're not five. sitting between us. You're sitting opposite. No, the room. I am. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go a seven and a half. I, I think, 
I think you summed it up. Both of you have summed it up well. It's it's just an enjoyable movie to watch. It's something you can go back to again and again. Um, yeah, for for me and you, Michael, we've probably got the nostalgia factor. Um, you obviously watch have watched it more than I have, so it probably why there's a point difference in our scores. But it's just a fun ride, and you know, it, Steven Spielberg does this and he's he does it with raiders he just knows how to do a really engaging adventure film mm. he can write for kids he can write for adults um and i think yeah it's just a great fun film and would recommend it. it's you can watch it yourself now you can watch it with your kids it still holds up pretty well considering should you want to be 7.75 to be right between the tours no <laughs> I'll see where it might put it anyway. Uh, so a seven and a half, an eight and a half, and a seven gives us a total score of twenty-three, which puts it into the number six equal number six spot. Equal sixth. Equal sixth. <laughs> <laughs> what is the what is the three like third spot again? Uh, so third spot is twenty-three point seven five. Then we've got two on twenty-three and a half. Uh-huh. And then we've got now three on twenty-three. Right. It is it is level with long shot. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm surprised it's still up that high. Long shot. It was, was a good it, film. It was, it was a fun, fun film. Yeah. Uh, and Star Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Mm. Um put that in. It is just ahead of A Million Ways to Die in the West and John Wick Three. Was there another one that I haven't put in? And Children of Men. That's right, I hadn't put that one in. Um so yeah, it's but it's behind Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Bullet Train on twenty three point five. Hmm, there you go. So, Michael, oh, social, social, Scotty. Yep, can't forget that. Uh, obviously, we can be found on Twitter at Cinematic Leap is our handle. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Cinematic Leap. Uh, we've got a fantastic website, cinematicleap.com. Uh, and obviously, we can be found everywhere you can find good podcasts. We do ask that you rate and share and review us, hopefully nicely, so people can find us. Indeed. Beautiful. Michael, it's now time for our... Cinematic Loop. All right. So, the last movie of season two. Short circuit. Let's do it. No. Yes. <laughs> And we can leave look at leaf into Suve Gutenberg. Police Academy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Did it make it to eight? I don't know. I don't know. God I hope not. <laughs> um, good season three. Big green. Could, we could have got to the <laughs> yeah, big green. That's a good one. Big green. Um, but no, we are going with uh that renowned writer, Steve Spielberg, mm-hmm. who I've given a bit of a pump up to. And we're going yep. to Jaws. Jaws. The greatest movies ever made. Yes. Forty eight years ago it was released and it still holds up. Well, we'll find out. I mean, I haven't seen it. Barring there's a couple of parts that look when you look at it now, but yeah. as a general rule, the, the movie's outstanding and I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my top three favourite films. It's incredibly made. It still holds up really well. There's some of iconic shots in there. does. The very famous Dolly Zoom. Yep. Uh, and it's also got one of the great scores, which is still memorable today. Ooh, I mean, it was a dead. Mm. Which even if you haven't seen the movie, you know it. Or play, or try to play it on the piano. Yeah. So that's where we're going. Then that'll finish our season two. Mm. We'll do a wrap and then go into we go into season, season three. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you all for listening. Next time you listen to us, we will be reviewing the 1975 classic Jaws. Thanks.
Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. Ah! In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.